Hey everybody, welcome back to 60 Second Spark. This is season two, episode two, and I am doing something today, which is a solo podcast recording. I think I've only done this one other time. One other time. And it was like a 10 minute podcast. So I don't know how long this is going to be, but in our last episode, we talked with Danny Anderson about her experience with breast cancer, surviving, her thoughts surrounding trauma and grief, um, and why some things feel a certain way to people who are actually experiencing a thing, especially something as huge as cancer um, and so life altering as cancer and what that sort of looks like to an outside observer and how those things can clash and just the intersections of um, black trauma, black grief, and just being a woman with breast cancer, moving on with your life and trying to find space for yourself. I think a lot of really great lessons in leadership have weaved itself into her story from last time and really kind of inspired me um, to kind of do this podcast alone and sort of not hide behind the interviewee, I guess. Um, And and getting people to share their stories is easy for me because I'm just a facilitator and someone who asks uh, questions and and hopefully provides an environment that makes people feel safe to answer them, even if it's on a public platform that's being recorded. But at the same time, while I do share a lot of introspective thoughts and things with people that I consider to be like my mentors or close to me. I don't openly advertise a lot of those deeper things or experiences or stories with um, my audience, I guess is the right term. So October being Breast Cancer Awareness Month, it is also Pregnancy and Infant Loss Awareness Month. And I have seen people post about this on Instagram already this month. And it's interesting because um there are so many women who deal with infancy loss pregnancy loss um in the the many terms and statistics and things that go into that and i think that people are becoming more aware these days but it's still one of those topics that unless it kind of directly touches you or you have experienced it yourself you're just not going to be as aware really um of how common it is, how traumatic it is for the person that is going through it, um, and how that affects the surrounding people that are close to the orbit of the person that is experiencing infancy or pregnancy loss. And so just telling a little bit about my story, um, I think, I don't know, I guess could be interesting and good and tying it into how I have continued to lead through that and being in a position of leadership and how it kind of affected me um, and it really changed my outlook on life, to be honest with you. So back in February, um, well, really in January, I found out I was pregnant for the first time, which was devastating in itself because I think some people, everybody has a different mindset about pregnancy or having kids. Um, and what they see for themselves in the future. And if you know me, then you know that I have never, ever wanted kids in my life. So before, and I've never had, I've never been pregnant before, never had like a missed period, never any of those things. So I've never had a scare or whatever, um, like thoughts to have to seriously consider, like what am I doing 
with my life, but that was the very first time um, in January. And so it was just like this giant crushing rock uh, that kind of hit me in the face and really made me take a step back and think like, okay, what do I want to do? Um, and I actually decided to um, keep the pregnancy and go through with it um, and and have a kid, right? And so when you kind of decide that as somebody who has just found out they're pregnant, maybe it wasn't planned, um, like in my case, then you're really making a huge decision. Like you're, you're deciding to change the course of your entire life um, for, for something, which is a child. So as I kind of went through this process, um, I'm by myself here in Annapolis, like, you know, I think I told my mom and like my sister and a couple people. So I was kind of freaking out a little bit. Um, and just trying to navigate, like you become more inundated with like reading everything and you, you do this thing where when you find out you're pregnant and you just, and you know that you're going to keep the child or, or you want to keep the child, it, at least in my case, like you, you think about like their whole life and you think about everything that you want to do and everything that could happen and not so much of trying to focus on all the things that could go wrong, but also you think about all the things that could go right. And you think about just how you want to do things and how you're going to raise this kid and you know are they gonna be happy like are you gonna do a good job like what what sort of clothes will they wear what sort of sports will they play like where will they go to school and all of these things that you kind of imagine or start to imagine or let yourself imagine when you go through this like huge bodily change right and so um when i experienced my miscarriage in february it was kind of like this really slow motion process and i think that when you hear about miscarriage or pregnancy loss, um, it's kind of like, oh, they've lost their pregnancy or she has lost their pregnancy. Um, so that happens in like one point in time and then it's kind of over and you're all like on to this next step. But I think what a lot of people don't realize is that pregnancy loss takes sort of a lot of time, especially if you're not doing something like a DNC or you're going to, uh, or you don't take take medication to kind of fast forward the process. So like I didn't do any of that stuff. So I think the whole process of having a miscarriage took about two and a half to three weeks, which in itself is, is traumatizing, um, especially for someone like me who is very independent, like super by myself, super um, introverted in a sense of I'm not telling a lot of people what's going on in terms of like, what's going on in my head and what's going on with like how I'm feeling and everything just kind of being um, an internal processing center. And so at the same time that this is happening, from a leadership point of view, I was trying to do basically everything at school. So I'm, I was teaching my leadership course. I was O-repping for the track team. I was doing this like leadership experience thing with team captains and stripers and like being the lead on a bunch of different things um collateral duties and billets and even some of my bosses were like hey like you're taking on a lot of stuff and i think i had a couple weeks before this the whole like journey had started i had 
told one of my bosses, I was like, sir, you know, I'm just going to do all this stuff until like I have a nervous breakdown and, and then I'll know that's when I can stop. But that's like always been my mentality for my work ethic, especially inside of the Marine Corps is I'm always operating slightly above capacity because if I'm not, I feel like there's like something that I'm not doing. There's something more that I could be doing. And that could go back to wanting to like prove myself more or feeling like I have to do more to be seen as um, qualified or verifiable or validated in some sense by other people um, that I work with, especially when you're getting like evaluated all the time. It's one thing to be like, yeah, don't care what people think about you. But then when you're in something like the military where I'm getting a, a fitness report and like people are judging you based on what they think you are doing and it's all perception, right? What they think you're doing or not doing, uh, it makes a huge difference sometimes so especially like in my mindset or my headspace and so when all of this was happening it's like it changes your entire outlook on life and you realize and I think when all this happened um and, and it took me a little bit in the process because I was still teaching and I think I I was teaching while I was miscarrying and it was like I would go to class and this was second semester second semester of the Acura 20. So I would go to class and I think I was teaching, I can't remember the periods I was teaching, but I had like a cl like two classes, a break, and then like two more, like another class, and then a break, and then another class. And so I would go to class, teach, go to my office and just like cry. And my office mate, there was one time my office mate, like four, she was like, I'm gonna take your class, like just go home. And I, I think about that now and I don't know why I was doing that. I think I felt like I had to be at work and people were kind of, I told a couple of my bosses and people were kind of like, hey, you should take some time off. But I just didn't really understand. I think because I always operate at such a high level, I think of just volume of work, I felt like I couldn't take time off and I had never taken time off of work like that. Like never just been like, well, I don't feel well or I need um space or time today like i've never ever done that and so i think i took in the whole midst of it i think i only took about two weeks off of work and i remember one of my bosses had told me like hey you can take the rest of the semester off and in my mind i was like that is not an option for me to take so much time off of work to to do this and so i was juggling a lot of different things um and still teaching like that leadership course and still teaching a practicum class and still teaching all kinds of stuff and interfacing with midshipmen and like trying to still mentor them and coach them through the things that they were going through, but also at the same time kind of falling off the map with some other things. Um, and I know that I disappeared in some areas and I'm sure, I'm sure that people at work specifically were like, what is wrong with her? Um, I have no idea like where she is or what she's doing. And that part, I think for leadership, is especially hard when you're going through something super personal, super devastating, super traumatizing to your life. Um, and not understanding, especially because it was the first time I was going through something like that, not fully understanding where the left and right lateral limits of this is what I can do and this is what is the right thing to do um, and this is what I should do. And so thinking that I had to do a lot of things that I really didn't have to do um, without explanation. And that's 
that's something I think that women may struggle with a little bit more than men. Um, there's no data to support that, but there's just a feeling that I have as a woman, as a minority woman, feeling like I can't just disappear, fall off the face of the earth or, or whatever, um, and just say like, hey, I can't do this. Uh, because sometimes the opportunities that come where people are asking you to do things, um, they only come once. And if you say no, or if you opt out, or if you decide like, hey, maybe this isn't, maybe this isn't in my mental capacity to hold right now, then those people that are sort of handing you this opportunity, who are usually in the majority, um, who may, you know, receive opportunities like that all the time, they may not come back to you again. And I, I mean, that has happened to me before in my career, and I have made a habit of never saying no to anything for that exact reason. I've never said no to deployments. I've never said no to OICing ops or taking ops out. Um, I've never said no to, you know, writing SOPs or like doing weird stuff that nobody wants to do because in the end of the day, when I look at people or what I want them to remember me for is not gonna be, well, um, you know, she's a so-so hitter like sometimes she's reliable sometimes not or she's not going to be able to get this done or maybe she could do it or she could do a decent job like I'm always trying to shoot for something of like yep give it to her because she's going to get it done um and sort of like this fire and forget mentality but I think that that has that has worked well for me in the past but in, in this case of like a huge life change it super did not like it was super bad um, and it took a while for me to even like go through this process and realize it. And so I think from a work capacity, it was it was a huge learning point for me um, and a huge changing point in terms of like, what do I want to do in the Marine Corps? What am I doing as a leader um, and in a leadership position where I know that people are watching me and feeling like, you know, feeling like I was neglecting my students and feeling like I was neglecting midshipmen and, and people who wanted to talk to me or wanted to see me. Um, and wondering where I was and knowing, like talking to some of my students afterwards and knowing that they saw that, that they saw that I was like distant, that they saw that I was absent or like wondered where I was. Um, it hurt me like as a leader it did because I knew, I felt like I had a responsibility to them and it's still kind of like a balancing act in my mind of like, where's the responsibility to the people that I'm leading and where's my responsibility to myself? Um, and just trying to like give myself more grace on the self side because I give so much of myself to the people that I'm leading, especially in, in the capacity of the academy, where there's just, it's not like you have a company or it's not like you have a platoon and it's easy. Like these 180 Marines are mine. These. 50 Marines are mine or this squad of Marines or like my shop, this is mine and this is my responsibility and my venue, but it's like midshipmen. <laughs> There's 4,400 of them at any given time and any of them could come up to you at any time and just, just want to talk to you or just need somebody to talk to you or need somebody to lead them. And it's a huge undertaking. And I think I understand that now more so than I did before I went through, um, this loss because it was kind of just like I had so much to give. I didn't have anything really else to think about. And so changing my mindset of where do I stand with myself in terms of a professional relationship with the Marine Corps, but also my personal relationship with myself 
and what do I want in life? Like, do I want to always just say yes to the Marine Corps or do I need to say yes to myself sometimes too? And so um, I don't know if I've actually taken a step back, to be honest. I think that I still have taken on like way more than I should be. Um, people will come and ask me to do things all the time and I have still found myself saying yes, but I have found myself saying no more. Um, but I still do feel very guilty when I say no to people or when I tell them like, Hey, I have a lot going on. I cannot take on anymore. And, it, and it's just like, they still sort of like needle away a little bit. It's a little bit of like marketing tactics. It's a little bit of like, well, it's not going to take that much if you're talking like, I, and, and I don't understand why it has to be something as like, when I try to explain to people like, Hey, you know, I have a lot going on. They still push on you until you say like, Hey, you know, I just had a miscarriage and I'm still dealing with a lot of trauma and I'm in therapy and like, I'm kind of fucked up right now for them to be like, Oh, okay. Yeah. Maybe you should take some time for yourself. Like we need to start normalizing, just believing people when they tell you I've got stuff going on. So just back off. Um, and I, in, in my capacity as somebody who can sometimes be labeled as abrasive or have an attitude or be unapproachable. It's not in my nature, you know, 14 years down the line in the military to kind of pop off or snap on people like that anymore. Um, and so I, I sort of go like the nicer route, which allows people to kind of encroach on my boundaries a lot more. But sometimes it's kind of necessary to just like snap on people. Um, and I think we as women shy away from doing that because we are avoiding making other people uncomfortable. And when you start to focus on other people's feelings more than your own, like it's not your job to make somebody else feel comfortable with your situation or with what you're going through. So if you can't express yourself like, hey, this is what's going on and they're uncomfortable, that's not your fault. And that's something that I definitely had to learn. Um, and if they, if they can't deal with it or they can't handle it, then maybe they're the ones that need to work on themselves and whatever they got going on and maybe not so much yourself because you're trying to take care of you at that point. Um, and, it, and so from a leadership standpoint, it's leadership isn't about you, but leadership should also be about you. Um, it's a, a relationship. Absolutely. But you have to have a solid relationship with yourself also to know when you've reached capacity um, or when you have reached a point where you do need to tell people no and enforce some hard boundaries. Um, and I think also with the hard boundaries, even if you do share with people like, hey, this is what I have going on and specific to this podcast, like I'm dealing with pregnancy loss, um, I'm dealing with infancy loss, I'm dealing with this really huge event in my life. Um, some people will try to hold space for you that are not qualified to hold space. And what I mean by that is they mean well and they want to help and they want to say nice things to you. But what I found when I was kind of going through this journey is that people that I would share with, um, a lot, I would say the majority of them said the wrong things and it's not intentional and it, it will reverse make you feel bad about your own situation because you know that they're just trying to be nice and you know that they're trying to hold space for you, but they, they are not qualified to kind of do that. Um, and so if you, even when you surround yourself with positive people, well-meaning people, people that care about you, like they do genuinely care about you, but they don't know how to. And you have to be careful about where you are spreading your energy or where you are giving your time 
um, and who you're confiding in, right? Because they are going to be influencing your mood and your behavior and your energy and where that's flowing. Um, and if they're kind of not helping you, even if they want to help, even if they're well-intentioned, like you just got to let that not be in your life for that time. Um, and I think I had a lot of people, a lot of people that um, I considered friends that were just, it was just too much. And I tolerated a lot of behaviors from people because they were well-meaning and because they they would express to me often like, well, I'm just trying to be here for you. Well, I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to, to say nice things or I'm trying to show you that like you're not alone and, and all this stuff, but, but that's not what I needed. And it took me a long time to kind of like shed all of those things. And I think the people that I kind of appreciated the most were the ones that knew like, hey, if I come to them, like that's kind of when I need support and that's when I need people. Um, and if I'm not coming to you, then I probably don't need you. Um, and I guess from certain lenses from the outside, again, outside looking in, it could look like maybe a little bit selfish or callous or like, are you using people? But at the same time, I think the people that know me, um, who I was kind of leaning on during those times, even like tangentially leaning on knew that that's what I was doing. Uh, and, and those are the people that are like truly your people, right? You shouldn't be trying to make other people feel like they're doing a good job supporting you um, if they're not actually. And again, that's like looking at your own feelings and not, not really focusing on like what, how the things that you are going through are affecting other people because it's not about them at that point. And so kind of just going through that process, I guess like 2020 has just been so weird with the way that it has kind of shaped out and like from like the February time frame from to now um it being October it doesn't even feel like it was that long but for my life to feel like it completely fell apart um and got dismantled and I remember being in class I took those two weeks off and I went back to class I wasn't as close to my second semester sections as I was to my um this semester's or my first semester sections but I remember coming back and telling them like I have literally just gone through the worst time in my life. So please bear with me as we like try to keep this class on the railroad tracks. And I think that they gave me a lot of grace and I love plebes for that or I love midshipmen for that in a sense of like they're so, um, sometimes they can be seen as like one track minded or only caring about themselves. But when you give people transparency from a leadership aspect and you give them that vulnerability, sometimes they will take it and run with it. And so my second semester class sections really, I think, gave that to me um, for the ones that I sort of, I think I only told a couple sections that by the time I got to like fifth period, I was, I was a little bit more composed. But um, so starting in February, coming to now and like the things that I've learned and being able to sort of just like stand up for myself a little bit more in terms of like, yeah, back off and leave me alone. Um, and I've done that often. And I know that not everybody knows why I've been so protective of kind of my space and my time recently, but it's, it's something that you have to really kind of do for yourself and not for anybody else. And again, not feel like you have to explain yourself for something that you know is going on with you. Right. And so 
the validation for why you are doing things only comes from you. It doesn't come from anybody else. And if they can't handle that, if it's like friends, quote, quote unquote, friends, heavy air quotes for Billie Jean, or they are people that you work with or whatever it is, then, then they probably just don't need to be in your life, right? Or you don't need to extend that much energy towards those relationships if they can't kind of withstand um the things that you go through as a person and so yeah i guess i just say all that to say everybody's story is super different i think as a professional leader and as a woman who works in a professional landscape it gave me such a different perspective on what women go through what we have the potential to go through um what we deal with and then how people kind of react to that. And I definitely am grateful for the people who reacted well. Um, I know that it's not, it's probably not intuitive, um, but for people that, that did, you know, I can think of them right now, like they just pop up very clearly in my mind. Um, Cause it, it got to a point where I was just, I would just tell people like I had a miscarriage and they're just like, oh, um, and the way that they responded, I, I can definitely see the people who responded in a way that that really carried a lot of empathy, right? And I talk about empathetic leaders a lot in class with my students and, and empathy being something that's super lacking right now in society, but it's, it's not hard to be empathetic um, and it's not hard to, to try to put yourself in someone else's shoes and just be there for them um, and not always have to give your opinion or not always have to give advice like just holding space and letting that be okay um for that time so as we kind of close out october um with these two i know we had like two heavy topics um with cancer and now tackling infancy loss pregnancy loss um and, and the trauma that's associated with those two things very specifically and kind of seeing how um you know, Danny has kind of come out of that. And then, I mean, myself, I know I'm not, even in my own circle, I know um, at least a handful of women who have had miscarriages, who have had or experienced infancy loss. And, and I've talked to a lot of those women as well. Um, it is so common. It's so common. And we just don't, I don't know if we don't talk about it often because we're sort of ashamed, but I mean, everybody deals with their grief in a different way. And so, I mean, one in four pregnancies, right, end in, in miscarriage or um, infancy loss and the statistics and the medical science and things that go behind it, um, there's often no explanation for why you have a miscarriage or why you experience infancy loss, um, but it's, it's just as devastating, right? And it's something that you carry with you for the rest of your life. Um, so I just encourage all of the women out there, if you are listening to this or if you are someone who is just trying to gain perspective and, and hear kind of how it feels or, or what different people's stories are, especially in terms of leadership and what uh, your people could be going through. And you may not have any idea. And that's what's crazy. Like you could have no idea that this is even happening to someone that works for you, that you are leading. Um, or someone that's leading you, it's it's kind of insane to even, even put it in that perspective. But I just encourage you to continue to be empathetic leaders to understand that these things are affecting um, people. It affects your leadership. It affects 
all of these aspects um, and these topics and these things that that really Spark is trying to bring out and spark conversations about um, and, and get you to, to think about. It's not always just, hey, you know, how am I going to make it to command? How am I going to learn from this general um, who's telling me, you know, giving me all this advice that, that I'll be able to apply maybe one day on a board or how do I make myself competitive and, and good for retention? It's not always so black and white with leadership. With leadership, it is really, really, really about people understanding them, building relationships and wanting to help make other people better. And if you can't understand the different stories that are happening and that people are real people and not like robots and not billet accomplishments or um, their grades or what sport they play, then, then you're just gonna always be a little bit of a surface level leader and you're never gonna be able to dig deeper. So I just encourage you to dig deeper and um, don't feel sorry for people who go through these things. Don't put a pity blanket on them. Um, just understand that they happen, understand that that they are also out there um, and you, you may not know it all. So um, thanks, I guess. I don't know, I don't know how that went. Let me know. Um, looking forward to the next episode though and thanks for tuning in <sighs> leave some feedback I guess if you want I'm sure Gabriella is still listening to this at the very end but um, I appreciate it 60 second spark <laughs>